the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download and listen to for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and this week my special guest is gardening writer and broadcaster Jeff Hodge. Coming up, we'll be answering your questions on everything from dahlias and wisteria to wood lice. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour, every Saturday from 11. BBC Essex. Jeff, it's a warm welcome to the programme, and we've had a nice batch of mixed weather. <laughs> Jeff. Well, a, a mixed is one way of describing it, yes. Hot and sunny and cold and wet. <laughs> Typical summer. <laughs> Typical summer. So it's funny, isn't it, how... Uh, and I, keep, I said it last week on the programme, you know, that as soon as schools broke up, July, end of July, into August, rains, goes cooler. It's a shame, isn't it, because we had some lovely weather earlier on. Indeed. Well, maybe that means everybody will go abroad and maybe, <laughs> unless people want to do some gardening in peace and quiet and get on and do it. So where are you going to start with your first tip today, then, Jeff? OK, I'm going to give you a double whammy of propagation because uh, sort of this early to mid-August is a brilliant time to be taking cuttings of your half-hardy bedding plants. You know, those ones that we've nurtured, we've spent a fortune on earlier in the year, your fuchsias, your pelagoniums, your osteospermums, your perennial uh, petunias, argyranthemums, marguerites, osteospermums. Just to name a few. Just to name but a few. And, you know, if you want to save yourself some money next year, this is the perfect month to start taking cuttings of them. A lot of people wait until September and then... If we don't have a great autumn, they won't put on enough growth and therefore they might struggle through the winter. So it's brilliant to do them now because you'll get good sized plants that will come through the winter much better. Um, obviously, if you are going to take cuttings now, you'll need to think about where you're going to overwinter them. Because that's quite important to keep them frost free. So they need to be frost free, but in good light. You know, you can't stick mm. them in a dark shed, for instance. So, um, you know, ideally it's a greenhouse or a conservatory um, or a reasonably well wit well wit or even a well lit windowsill so um the best material to to take your cuttings from is obviously healthy um and not flowering now of course most of your fuchsias and your pelagoniums are, are, are in full growth mm. so what i do is i go to the back of the plant and one or two stems on each plant i cut those back hard and then that'll produce some really young fresh regrowth and that is the best stuff to take your cuttings from. Take your cuttings uh, about four inches long. At the bottom end, trim them just below the leaf joint. Um, take off the lower half to two thirds of leaves. If necessary, you can use a little bit of hormone rooting powder or liquid. Um, and then insert, you know, four or five into a three and a half or a four inch pot of good gritty compost. Either cover them with a plastic bag, but not pelagoniums. Pelagoniums don't like it too sweaty or put them in a propagator great thing about doing the cuttings now is it's warm so you don't need to use a heated propagator um, and then put them somewhere in good light but out of hot burning direct sunlight and, and it's kind of more or less the same for a wide range of shrubs that you can do now from what we call semi-ripe cuttings which is this year's growth basically um, you need to take the cuttings a bit longer so i take them usually about five inches long yeah uh, and there's things like, you know, hydrangeas, hebes, ceanothus, philadelphus, a wide range of shrubs can be and propagated. It's all, and now. it's all useful shrubs that you could pop into a border next year, isn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely, or even put into some containers, mm. you know, ceanothus, hebes, lavender, yeah. rosemary, perfect. So uh, then it's the same thing, you know, um, 
bottom cut just below a leaf joint, remove the leaves from the lower two-thirds or half of the stem, bit of hormone rooting into a, a bigger pot this time. You probably could get three or four into a five or a six-inch pot. Again, into a propagator, plastic bag over the top, somewhere nice and warm, but out of direct sunlight. And you'll have, it probably in about five weeks, they'll have rooted, and then you can pot them on individually, grow them on somewhere outside, because most of them are reasonably Just hardy. in a sheltered position, shelter really. position, and then you've got all these free plants for next year. There are some good ideas there. Um... The lawns, yes, sometimes lawns begin to lose their vigour and colour at this time of the year. I know the rain has helped and good rain is much better than watering it yourself and some colour has come back. But it's a great time to just give it a bit of a boost, a summer boost, before we get to the end of the summer. Uh, this time of year, wouldn't particularly use a granule. A liquid is far, far better, isn't it, at this time of the year? I, I always, in the summer months, I always recommend a liquid, liquid lawn fertilisers. It? It, it works straight away. Um, and there's very, very little chance of, of causing any scorching, should we get hot sunny weather. We might. Um, the other thing I've noticed is, of course, if you get good growth on your, <laughs> on your lawn, you're getting good growth on your lawn weeds. So I would suggest that what you also do is either, if you've got, you know, just a few weeds, go around with a spot weed killer, you know, a lawn weed killer, and just get rid of them that way. But if not, you can buy a proprietary liquid lawn weed killer and use that as well. But be careful with them. Remember that um, a lawn weed killer is there to kill the lawn weeds, but if you touch on your bedding plants on the side, you will also kill them as well. So be careful how you apply it. Don't do it on a windy day. As with all weed killers, apply carefully. And read the instructions. First. <laughs> yes, first. <laughs> Not after. OK, I'm, uh, I'm planning ahead a little bit. I'm thinking about what's going to be happening in the winter and spring, and yeah. I'm thinking about our winter and spring bedding you know uh you know winter flowering violas winter flowering pansies even going into things like bellis daisies and sweet williams uh, and even polyanthus and primulas now again you need to think ahead a bit if you're going to buy garden ready big plants you know already in a three and a half inch pot you don't have to worry till about sort of september october but if you're the sort of person that likes to buy plug plants or smaller plants if you leave it far too late then and you, and you plant those say in, in late September or October, they won't have produced enough growth to give you reliable flowering during the winter and early spring. So if you're going to buy plug plants, get them now, get them potted up into three and a half inch pots, grow them on, and then when they're ready to go in the garden, they'll already be big plants with their flower buds. And if you don't have the flower buds on your winter flowering pansies by the winter, they, they're not going to flower until spring. And of course, we get lots of questions, don't we? You know, during the winter period, which is, you know, why won't my why my winter pansies yeah, not why flowering? Why are they not flowering? Because you did it too late. Too late. So they are. Take note of what uh, Jeff says and get out there and get those ordered. Talking of, isn't it terrible? Talking of the autumn and we're still in summer. Got to do it if you're a gardener. Got to plan yep. ahead. Look at your bulb catalogues. A lot of mail order bulbs are available right now. I know Jeff looks after one such company, don't you? I do, yes. Which one is it? That's the Jaeger down yeah. in Kent. That's a good one. Um, but look how I think the thing to that people forget at this time of year is, yes, look at the spring bulbs, your tulips, your daffodils, your narcissi, and all that range. But I tell you what, why not think of autumn flowering bulbs? They are very, um, they're not, they're underrated. They're very underrated. Very underrated because they look so fantastic. And you can get, you know, all these, all 
They call them generally autumn flowering crocus, yeah. but they're not really. You've got crocus sativa, which is the saffron crocus, yeah. but then you've got the colchicums, which are, they still call crocus, or even though they're nothing or like Or naked it. ladies. Or naked ladies, Sometimes. because they just produce these gorgeous flowers, purples and pinky purples, and then you've got a white colchicum as well, haven't you? Yeah. And, you know, they brighten up your garden as we go into autumn. They will leaf up in the spring, so you won't dig them out in the spring. And then we've got... Um, is it Sternbergia? Sternbergia is another great and, one. So there's some great autumn flowering bulbs. Look out for those and get them in the garden pretty well now. You can do that, can't yeah, you? August is a great time for planting the autumn yeah. flowering ones. But the, uh, I've heard that there, is, heard. there are some shortages of oh. bulbs. This now, this year. isn't just a scaremonger no, story. because of the weather, there's possibly some shortages. So if you are thinking that you want lots of spring flowering bulbs, get your orders in, in now, now to make sure that the stock's available. They are. There's a warning from a man who knows. So what's your last one for today? OK, I'm going buggy for my last one, and it's vine weevil. The dreaded vine weevil. It's a, uh, still it seems, is a problem. Still is a problem and seems to be quite bad this year. Um, and this time of year is when uh, the, the adults are laying eggs. That's right. So this is a great time to have a good bl uh, blitz against them. Um, so what I would be thinking about is uh, using uh, the nematodes, the biological control, because, again, the, the soil is warm. And, and, and moist after some of the rain we've had recently. So that's perfect conditions to apply the nematodes. Um, or you can use, if you've got plants in containers, ornamental plants in containers, then you can water on uh, Bug Clear Ultra Vine Weevil Killer. That's a good one. Or you can spray the foliage of, of plants with just Bug Clear Ultra. But I found something new for, oh, for vine weevil. What you here, found? Which is for the beetles. And, oh. it's, and it's a nematode control for the beetles. Because normally the nematodes you water That's on right. to get the grubs. This is, um, you have to buy it from, from mail order suppliers, like the, the nematodes for the, for the grubs, such as think, people like um, Green Gardener or Defenders. So how do they take it? Okay, well, it's a board. It's a, a wooden board yeah. with grooves on the underside. And the grooves are three quarters filled with a jelly that contains the nematodes. And you put those underneath your plants. And because the adults have to find somewhere for shelter during the ah. day, they go and shelter under the board in the groove. And they're in contact with the nematodes, which then invade their body. Cruel. But, cruel, cruel, but, but, but kind, cruel, but kind okay. to your plants. <laughs> So that's very different, isn't it? It is, and I, I, I've only seen it. That's this year's the first time I've seen it, and I've started using it and recommending it. So they are. There's something new from Jeff as well. Don't forget, and the most important thing of all, there's some tips. But enjoy your garden. Ken Crowther answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Let's have a look at some of those gardening events across the county, and we're going to be starting this week. In Boyton Cross, yes, Dragons. It's a great garden to go and visit. It's in Chelmsford. It's there to open, to raise money for the National Garden Scheme. It's a plants woman's garden, three quarters of an acre of garden, and uh, it's planted to encourage wildlife. There'll also be homemade teas. Admission is just £4. 19th of August, 10am to midday, the Matching Charities Market, Farmers Market, that is, at the Village Hall in Matching. Local farmers and produce there, meats, cakes, eggs, all that sort of thing. Go along to that. 19th of August, 2 till 4.15, the Ardley and District Horticultural Society. 
They're housing the Ardley Annual Show at the Village Hall, Station Road, Ardley. Open to the public from 2pm with prizes presented at 4.15. There's classes of vegetables, fruit, flowers, dahlias, flower-arranging, cookery, handicraft, photographs and children's exhibits. Refreshments, of course, are available. Monday, the 21st of August, Billericay Horticult Society has a tour by Paul Sprackling, an introduction to exotic gardening. It's at the Day Centre, Chantry Way. Visitors are welcome and refreshments will be available. Let's go through to the end of August and say Saturday the 26th to Monday the 28th. St Nicholas Church, Great Wakering, has a flower festival. Uh, Also on the 26th of August, the Coggleshall Flower Show, St Peter's Ad Vicula. So there's plenty going on there as well. If you want your event mentioned on the Gardening Hour podcast, send your details along to Ken Crowther. At least three weeks' notice, please, to ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. UK, or you can write to BBC Essex PO Box 765 Chelmsford CM2 9XB. And let's get more people along to your events. Coming up next, myself and Jeff will be answering your gardening questions, and we'll start with Tom in Great Baddow and his tomatoes. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther every Saturday from 11. I've grown tomatoes for the first time and uh, I've got a, a plastic trough about five foot long, four inches wide, six inches deep. I put three inches of dirt in the bottom. I dirt? Tomato- dirt? <laughs> well, Come on, if, you, if you're going to be a proper gardener, <laughs> let's use the proper terms, compost. No, this is dirt. Oh, OK. Oh, right. right, it was dirt, right. <laughs> well, there's your problem. No, I haven't got a problem. These things are six foot high and they're like triffids. I've never seen so many tomatoes in all my life, you know. And it's almost hydroponics because I have to water them twice a day, about two gallons of water at a time and feed them. Yeah. But, but what's happening, they're, they're, many of them are coming ripe now, but they're coming ripe individually. There's not whole bunches together. Although there's whole bunches together, I might have five or six in a bunch, but only one's going red. Now, can I pick those tomatoes individually? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I know when you go to the supermarket that, that and you and you, and you see the on the vine tomatoes and they all look beautifully red, and everybody expects that's what happens at home, and that's not what happens at home. They oh, are artif- they artificially ripen them to do, to to be that way. I must have twenty five pound of tomatoes on these plants. Now you're showing off. No, I'm not. I thought they all did it like this. It's the first time I've tried it. You know. No, just uh, that's the great thing about growing tomatoes at home. You just you just pick what you need as soon as they ripen. So oh, well as soon, as soon, so as soon as they've got a good red colouring, take them off. As long as they come off easily in your in, in your fingers, take them off and, and enjoy them straight away. And you'll get better flavour than than those on the vine things. And you'll be you'll be growing them again next year, then, won't you? Oh, definitely. I'll get, I'll get two five-foot troughs. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. It surprised me because there's only three inches of dirt in the bottom. Yeah, well, you're doing well because um, to get good crops of tomatoes that, that don't split or don't get blossom end rot, which is a, a problem that they often get, you need lots of volume of compost or soil to grow them in. Um, you might find as as August continues that they're going to need even more water. So you might need to regu- um, water more regularly. So we might need to be doing it three times a day. Well done. Well done. All right. 
Thanks very much, Les. Thank Thanks, you, Tom. Uh, it's a lovely one to hear. Success story at the beginning of a programme that can't be bad, Indeed. can it, Jeff? At all? And of course, we all knew he was going to grow tomatoes because that's his name, isn't it? Tom. Tom. Tom Tomato. Tom Tomato in Great Baddow. Andrew in uh, Hemel. Is that Hemel Hempstead? No, it's not. It's Hempstead. Saffron oh, Hempstead Morden. up near Saffron Morden. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. What can we do for you, sir? Uh, well, I moved into my house four years ago and inherited a wisteria. Very nice. Um, it's, it's obviously a, an ancient wisteria, but it's been cut back very heavily to, to um, facilitate some building works. But I managed to get it to shoot again, and it's gone up about seven or eight feet high against mm-hmm. the wall of the house. Lovely. But the leaves start off being a nice dark green colour and then start to turn pale yellow, all of them starting to turn pale yellow. Just wondered what the problem was. Hmm. Well, they're, they're, like, they're not happy. They're, well, no, they're not. They're, they're, there are two possibilities, and they might be on their own, or they might be in, Leech, co- in yeah. combination. Yeah. And and that is basically that they are are either getting too much water or not enough. And uh-huh. I and I would probably err on the not, mm, not in enough. not enough side. And they're probably not getting enough nutrients. Because so, when you cut something back, the plant is trying hard to regenerate and it needs yeah. nutrients to help it regenerate. What sort of nutrient do you recommend? Well, um, it all depends, on, on, all depends on you and how much time and effort you want to spend. Uh, you know, you either, use a li- you either use a liquid feed... On a regular basis. But you'd have to use that once a week, or you could use... I mean, what I would, what I would generally feed wisteria with is a granular rose fertiliser. And, oh, and, right, okay. and basically, for this year, you'd only need to apply it once, as opposed to every week. OK. But I'd also give it a, I'd give it a liquid first and then follow it up with a rose yeah, fertiliser, and you won't have to worry too much. Well, the liquid will work instantly... Uh, which is a good thing, and also you'll be adding the water, which is possibly the other thing that it's missing. Now, where is it? Uh, just one last question on that. On the building works, the building works, you didn't get any leakage of cements or anything into the area where the wisteria is, did you? No, we just had cladding put up on the rear extension, oh, which that's is where all. the wisteria is. Yeah. Okay, that's not a problem. Works. There were no, 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 uh, no concrete or bricks or anything. That's and, fine. And you know you need to prune it this month, don't you? No. Oh, yes. right. Okay, you need you need to prune wisteria twice a year to encourage flowering, and the the, the one time to do it is July August, and the second time to do it is December January. So now, all this year's long leafy growth, if you have got some, you cut it back to five to seven leaves from where it joins the main framework of branches. Oh right, okay. And then in winter, December January, all those stems that you cut back now you cut back really hard to about an inch long. Okay. Sorted? All this new growth is only six or seven foot high because it's all new new stuff coming okay, out. Okay, well, if you're trying to... Train you want to choose one or two. If you're looking to, to use it to cover the structure or whatever that is, then yeah. obviously don't prune it. Keep that growth in place to yeah. cover your support. Okay. And then in future years, you can start worrying about pruning for flowering. Okay, that's a pleasure. That's Andrew from Hempstead near Saffron Warden. I think we should talk to Christine from Thundersley. Uh, she's got a couple of questions for us, haven't you, Christine? I sure have, yes, yes. A bit of advice on dahlia tubers. I wondered, is there a blight about on dahlias at all this year? Any? We've got some, we've grown some from seeds and they're, they're lovely, they're fine. But we do have some tubers which we keep in pots. Um, and we keep them from year to year. Uh, when they've blackened up 
and my husband cuts them down and then we keep them over winter in a cold greenhouse. They've been fine. Mm. But this year, um, put fresh uh, compost around, brought them back out, got them back on, watering them well. But a lot of them, well, they all look very poorly not really supporting any flowers and and the leaves a lot of them have got you know black spots and they look manky oh, okay christina I, I that's don't... a good description isn't it manky, manky. yeah I like manky. yeah manky <laughs> Um, it's I, not I, one that we've I, heard. I don't think there's there's no. I've certainly not heard no. of anything specific no. going around. No. I th- I think the issue with your dahlia tubers is that they're getting a bit old. Well, very possibly we have had them a few years. Yes, Be- because you you will, you will always get the best growth and the best flowers on new growth on on, on new tubers. So right. so what I do. Uh-huh. I, I lift my tubers, or if I've grown them in pots, I do exactly what it sounds like you do. I'll cut them down when the foliage is black, and I'll put them in the greenhouse over winter. Uh-huh. And then the following spring, it start them into growth. And then when yeah. the new shoots are being produced, and they are about four inches long, I cut those off, and I use those as cuttings. Oh right! And the, those those young plants have, good. Are, are like young people, as opposed to us old people. They're full of vigor, and they and they do things like like that. There's no tomorrow, and oh. I think your tubers are just getting a bit past it. And and my yeah. old tubers, then I chuck out, or if they're oh, right. only a, or if they're only a couple of years old, I might keep one or two shoots on them and I might replant them. But I always get the best flowers on the ones that I've are taken they, the cuttings from. On the younger cuttings. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. What was your other that. question? Oh, peonies. Yep. Can we cut the leaves back yet, or is it a bit too soon, mm. or not do your it best, at all? Well, you're best to let them. What are the, I mean, what, why do you want to cut them back? Cut them back. Well, because they're taking out a lot of. I've only got about three, but they're taking up such a lot of room in the beds. Yeah, that's because um, of the I weather we've had this year. They have grown like mad. Just take a f- couple of the outside ones off, but you need the you need them need to, 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 to put the to, to feed, the goodness to feed them up for next year. So right. tr- try not to, but just pick the ed- edge ones off, and any that are looking, I Don't think you described it, manky. Yeah, any manky, manky ones. Manky ones you can get rid of. <laughs> manky, manky ones, old ones uh, that won't be doing much much work producing food. Thin them out, but d- certainly don't take them no, all off. Don't take them all. Don't take all them right? all off, no. OK, thanks so much. Thanks. That's a pleasure. And let's just... I'd like to get this email sorted because... Uh, Andrea has sent us in, my friend Maureen gave Andrea a plant. She's got it in a pot. Now, it's got a very feathery type, feathery leaf, would you say? I would, say, feathery, I would say it almost looks like an astilbe. It does. But it's woody. It's woody. Um, and it has an ash type, a mountain ash mountain type, ash type, type, type leaf. leaf as yes, well. that sounds so a good description. what is it, and shall we tell Andrea what she's going to pot? Because she says it flowers with white flowers. Yes, and we think right. it is. What do we think it is? Well, it, to me, it looks like a sanguisorbia. Sanguisorbia. Yeah. So they are. Andrea, sanguisorbia. And if you weren't listening, perhaps Maureen was. Uh, <laughs> between you, you can look it up and check whether we are right. There. Go for it. Should we go to Joan in Great Yeldon? Hello, Joan. Hello. Good morning. Um, I have a question um, about runner beans. Yes, what would you like yes. to know? Um, I haven't got room in the garden to uh, grow them in rows, so I've grown them in large square pots. Fine. Um, in in, in um, good, good compost, I've got five in each pot, one in each corner and one in the middle. They've done very well, and I, I've had several meals off them so far, but 
and I've kept them well watered and I've kept the leaves watered as well, especially when the sun's on them. The position that they're in, um, they get full sun all of the afternoon, so I've fed them as well. Um, most of them are doing okay, but quite a few of them are getting large and fat and are not getting elongated like they're supposed to. And I wondered what what I'm doing wrong. So you've got large fat beans instead of long beans. Long thin ones, yes. Does sometimes happen, doesn't it? Does sometimes happen, and it's nothing you're it's nothing, doing wrong, it? Joan. Um, <clears throat> I'd, I'd blame the bees if I was you. Yeah, well, <laughs> there, there was rather a shortage of bees to start with because I, I got ever such a lot of blossom on them and I was willing the bees to come, um, but, but they How do you do that? How do you do that, Joe? How do you will bean, bees to do, come? Do you How have do you to, do that? Do you have to do a dance or a special song? Oh, right, OK, well, I'll sing to them. Um, <laughs> but, but what I do then with these ones that get fat, um, I leave them on the plant then until they get really old and use the seed inside for next year. Is that all right? Well, it's, well, slow, it's all no. right if you do it later. Don't do it now. now. Oh, Lord, no, no. I'll wait till they go re- really no. brown and No, crack. no, no, no. You've missed the point. You've missed the point. If you leave them on the plant, your yes. new beans will not be taking up the goodness. So you've actually got to take them off as if they're a normal bean. When you get all to right. the end of the season... You can leave them on to produce your seed for next yeah. year, but don't leave them on now because you'll you'll be wasting nutrient to beans. Well, and also it'll it'll, it'll stop take, the, it'll stop, stop the plants flowering. flowering, so you won't get any more beans. Oh right, okay then. Right, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go out and pick all the fat ones off then. Yep. You can always chop them up and use them that way instead of putting them through shredding them. Or if the beans if the beans are formed, you could even steam the beans. Yeah, steam yeah. beans. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Enjoy them, Joan, in Great Yeldon. And we'll go on to Pauline in Halstead. We're just over the border, we seem to be today. Uh, Pauline, you're talking magnolias. Do you know which yes. magnolia? Um, it's the white with the pink inside. It's the white. So, yeah, yeah. so the answer is no, you don't know which it's, one it is. It's, uh, I would, is it the large tree like tulip shaped flowered? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But okay. it's um, hot. It's only about four foot high. Yeah, it's in a square pot, but the leaves are going brown and with a black, black spot, and they're just on them. Yeah, both sides. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. that that is that is due to stress. So right. the, that's the plant's reaction to stress due to incorrect growing conditions. Right. So, so the, the weather has. Is it in the shade? Well, no, they prefer sun. Sun. Okay. They prefer a sunny position. If you grow magnolias in a shade, you're not going to get. You're not. It's not going to like it. Is it in a container or in the ground? It was in container, wasn't container. it? Yeah. yeah, you move it, move it. Don't you reckon? Okay. Yeah, move it to a sunny position. Uh, it's either being underwatered or overwatered. You only you will know that. Feeding. Yeah. And, and it certainly sounds like it's not got enough nutrients. Okay. So what 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 do I need to give it? Well, um, as, we're, as we're coming quite late in the year now, feeds. I would be using liquid feeds mm. rather than going on to a granular feed in this situation. So you want something that's high in potash so that it, because it's now setting its flower buds for next yeah. year. So you want to be giving it high potash. So, uh, you know, a tomato fertilizer or, or anything when you, you know, it's, uh, when you re- look at the container, it says that it's recommended for flowering. Okay, thank you very much. That's all right. That's lovely. Um, no, it's 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 funny, isn't it? Magnolias 
do like more light than people think, don't they? Yeah, they're not a plant for, for shade at they're all. They're not at no. all, are they? Uh, but they do take over as well, if you're not careful. Anyway, Not in a container, they won't. Well, they won't in a container. I think people very under... It's one of the plants, I always think people buy it in a, in a well, garden centre or mail order. It comes as a very small plant, and you think... Sometimes oh, it comes as a oh, stick. As a stick, and you think, oh, it's a lovely little thing. And then you go back, if you look back at people's houses where they planted them in the front garden, there's a nice little feature. They're nearly as high as the roof, you know. I mean, they really do grow, uh, don't yeah, they? The, the guy across the road from where I live has one in his front garden, and, and every... Well, no, no, I'll take that back. Every other year, he butchers it to get it down in size because it grows so big. <laughs> they really do. Let's go back to Christine, and she's calling from Burnham. What a, is that right, Christine, in oh, Burnham? That's correct, that's correct, Ken. What a nice yeah. place to be. Are you near the river? I am. I'm a stone's throw from the river. I can't exactly see it from the house, but I'm literally a two-minute walk. Very nice, too. We, we, get, down to, we get down to Burnham um, off and on, and uh, it is nice by the river there. Lovely right. walks, yeah, yeah. Now, what what were you talking about with yourself? Um, it was a simple question about potatoes. I've got four sacks with potatoes in pink fir apple, and I think that I'm going to tip one out today to see if they're ready, because I think mm -hmm. they should be ready. The top's been pretty clean, but well, the question I wanted to ask, is it OK to put the tops on the compost heap, or should I put them in the green waste bin? Well, if, there, if there's no sign of blight, potato blight on them, mm. then you can put them on, on the compost heap. Oh, right. There doesn't seem to be at the moment. I mean, it's, uh, it's been quite good this year for no blight. I've only had one blight yeah. warning through from the Blight Watch service. Yeah. So, yes, it's been a, it's a, a reasonably blight-free free year. year yeah, which is... up to, yeah, at the moment, yes, yes. Because once you get them on potatoes, tomatoes get it as well, don't Absolutely. they? Absolutely, yep. Off yes, you go. But, um, so no, it's it's not a problem. It's only when they've been uh, contaminated by yeah. blight that you have to worry about them. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, harebells, Ken. Yes. They relate. They're um, they're a part of the Campanula family. They are. They are indeed, aren't they? Do you know, I couldn't think of that. <laughs> I was asked this morning. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Yeah. You're right. It's Campanula, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Which yes. is why they're summer flowering. Yes. Aren't they? Yes. Late spring, Maybe early November. summer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's looking at me. Advice. So, oh, like, well, I, I, uh, you were asked this question elsewhere, were you? No, 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 with Ray. With oh, right. Ray this morning. We right. were talking harebells, and I said my dad used to get them growing along the side of his garden. Mm -hmm. And then a white flower, which I couldn't remember, grew, grew like a weed and had little white star-like flowers as well. He used to climb up through his blackberries because he reckoned they were trained and they were never trained at all. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, harebells, companionly, weren't they? Yeah. But they grew as wildflowers, didn't they, pretty well? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's you it's, what it's we're saying? Is you don't see them as much today. What in the wild? In the wild, no, you yeah, don't, yeah, do I, you? I, I, no, I can safely say I haven't seen no. any for ages. I used to see yeah. them, as I said, in my dad's garden, but that was just a few years ago. <laughs> the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther every Saturday from eleven. Let's go back to Old Harlow and talk to Rita. Hello. Hello, Rita. Um, we've got a cherry blossom tree in the garden that we purchased um, two and a half years ago. It's, mm -hmm. um, I think it's reached its maximum height of 15 feet now, and it is really pretty. But at the bottom, we've got quite a lot of low branches that we would like to take off. And um, I really, not really, we're not really sure how 
to do it with the tree. We're, we're not really familiar with okay, trees. Okay, Rita, when you say low branches, how low? Where are they coming from? From the from the main main branch, from the main um, the main stem, trunk, main trunk, yeah. But they're but they're up off ground level. Oh yes, right. Yes. Okay, they're probably. I suppose three, four. Okay, I was just trying to work out whether they were at ground level and oh, no. and and they were suckers. So I needed to work out whether they were suckers or not. So we've decided and and that they are not because they are growing off the main trunk a few feet oh, yeah. up in the air. Yes, okay. They are. Um, if you want, and this is what we call um, crown raising, because the, the the branches of the tree make what we call the crown of the tree. And if you want to raise the crown, you remove the lower branches, which is very useful if you've got it growing in a lawn and you want to mow underneath it, so you don't keep banging your head on the branches as you go underneath which it. Which is not good. No, which is not very good. Got it. We've got a scree at the bottom, like all stones with all different things in, and we planted that in there to re- replace a tree that we oh, moved nice. when we moved in. Yeah. But we've got... Um, just like a swing bench thing there, and uh, obviously we sit down and we're sort of the head. We have to we've had to move the. You need a chair. bit more space. Yes. Okay. Um, all cherry trees, uh, all all members of the prunus family, have to be pruned when they are actively growing, and July and August are the perfect months to do it. So do right. it this month. Do not wait until September, because no. if you do it when they are getting dormant they have a chance of uh, picking up a disease called bacterial canker which that will kill that is what I was worried about so it's know. summer June, it's June, July and August are the best months to prune any member of the pruners family cherries, plums etc right. now if you have a look at the branches coming off the trunk yes. look at where they join the trunk yes. <clears throat> and what you should be able to see is a slightly swollen area where the branch actually hits the trunk and that's what we call the collar it looks like a collar a, a raised piece of growth that circles the whole branch where it contacts the tree right that is where the cells are that will heal the wound beautifully so you don't want to cut them completely flush to the trunk you want to right. keep the collar intact on the tree so okay. you so you go just the other side Away, f- away from the trunk to keep the collar intact and that will ensure that those wounds heal beautifully and there's no chance of any disease getting in. We won't have to purchase anything to put over it. Do I not, no, no, do do not, not no. use wound paints. Right. Wound paints have now been proven to actually make diseases worse rather than better. So never use a wound paint. Moving on to Alan in Wickford. Hello, Alan. How can we help you? You've got some climbers you're asking about. Well, we kind of subscribe to the survivor of the fittest school of gardening, you know, buy it if it looks like a good idea, planting, it lives or dies. <laughs> you know, not very technical. But we've ended, I've ended up in one corner with three climbers, yep. uh, a, a passion fruit, a honeysuckle and another. Uh-huh. And they are definitely survivors. They've, they've sort of mingled together. They're growing here, there and everywhere. They're, they've taken over the roof of the garden fence. And I need to make them manageable. So as a general, there's no way I can separate them. They're all going to get done together. On average, when's the best time to cut these things back? And how severely <laughs> can I cut them back? Well, one, <laughs> as we don't know what the other is, <laughs> you've, really, you've really set us a problem. So um, survivor of the fittest, like I said, you know, they, they survive or they don't. <laughs> All right. Um, all right then. This is this is this is not to be taken for granted for everybody else who's phoning <laughs> in or, or listening. I would do it because passion flowers are a bit tricky. 
and they're not completely yeah. hardy. So I would yeah. say if you're going to do them, do them in April. Do them all in April. And, and what would you do okay. to them? Because I'd just go over the fronts with the shears. That's how I would. Well, do I it. would probably uh, like. <laughs> yeah, come on. Um, I just. Well, I'd, go up the front with the shears. Why wouldn't I? Because I, would well, do? I'd, I'd do them a lot harder. Harder. Yeah, so yeah. I'd get secateurs and I'd go down to what? Two foot, eighteen inches from ground okay. level. All right. Okay. Thank you. Go for it. And if and if they all die, it's not my. It's yeah, not it's my fault. fault. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> now we go to Judy and Colchester. Hi, Judy. Wisterias oh, yeah. again. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The other guy just dug my memory. Um, I've got. Obviously, wisteria. I've got the little purple and white one, which looks like a little monkey's face. Um, and I, every year, I have seed pods on it. Yes. And uh, had some friends over the other day, and because it looks so gorgeous, thanks to your help, um, can and they said, "Oh, we'd like one of them. Can we plant the seeds?" <laughs> you, of course, of course you yes, can. You yeah, of course can. you can. You can plant I, the seeds, but I wouldn't bother. <laughs> no. Well, that's what I now we'll about. just explain why. See, if you if if you go and buy wisterias, there's two prices. There's a very cheap one sometimes, and there's yep. a more expensive one. Yep. The cheap one is a seedling variety, which can take up to 10 years to, to and, flower. And the rest. And the rest. Mm. I mean, from a plant, it'll take 10 years. It could take you from seed up to 20 years, couldn't it? Yep. Yeah, However, well, I won't be growing it. I'll just give the seed to them. Give them to them, let them go, but <laughs> warn them that they will not flower within, say, 15 years. Yeah. And when, and when they flower, the flowers might be small, brown, and unattractive. Because they yes. won't follow the parent yeah, necessarily. Yeah, because they, because of cross pollination, they won't come true to the the one that it the, the plant it's come from. Yeah, no, so, that's brilliant. That's what right. I thought, but I thought I'd ask the expert. And then when when they ring in and say, "Why hasn't my <laughs> my wisteria flowered?" Well, we say it didn't come from Judy, did it? Yeah, that's <laughs> right. But my I must just say my wisteria. Is absolutely, it is so gorgeous now. That's good. Um, and for years it didn't flower until I listened to you absolutely years ago. And then I discovered that, like lots of other people, I was actually pruning it at the wrong time of the year. Yeah. Does happen. So Does happen. I Lovely. do what you say now, and good. it is. I can't explain how gorgeous it is. Well, it's so nice thank to, you very much. Nice to get a compliment there, isn't it, Jeff? It is indeed. We don't yes. get too many of those always. We <laughs> <laughs> and from Clacton, have you got a compliment for us, or you just got a problem, man? Just got a problem. Okay. With you can say you can say nice things if you want to. <laughs> with um, an Acer. Yep. It's um, which I bought from the supermarket a couple of weeks back, but it's got some um, little black spots on it. And um, which I, I keep picking, you know, picking the leaves off, which have been affected, whatever it is. And some of them uh, look as though they've been eaten, but I can't see any insect or anything. Okay, uh, let's let's go. You've obviously got two different things going on there. So let's let's go back to the the spot. So these are black spots on the leaves. Yeah, well, yeah, on the leaves, which like the ends of the leaves, obviously, you know. Okay, and so you're just pulling the leaves off if they get these black spots? Yeah. Okay, and it's a, a young plant that you've only had a couple of weeks? Yeah. Okay, I, I, it might look unsightly, but I would leave the leaves on. 
Oh, okay. Because it's because it's such a young plant. If you, the, the leaves make the food for the plant, so if oh, you okay. if you take the leaves off, it can't make any food for itself. Oh. And and it's a bit like a baby. You know, you don't feed a baby for six months. It isn't yeah. gonna do. It isn't gonna do very well. So yeah. I would leave the leaves on. Not worry about the disease as such. It might just be a stress-related disease, and it may go away next year. What about the chewing then? Well, as for the leaves, um, the usual culprit on on Japanese maples or aces are caterpillars the vast majority of yeah, them moth ones are often. moth ones yeah. are small they are well hidden and they tend to come out at night okay. so is it worth looking for them or would you spray jeff um well they may have gone by now that's, most the, likely that, have. that's the other thing i is cause say i can't see any no the season now they most likely have disappeared on you well they're probably pupated pupated gone so they're if you want if it is it in a pot yeah okay so um, what I would do is I would scrape off the top inch or so of compost, and if there are any pupae of the of the moth in there, then you might get rid of them that way. Okay. All right. <laughs> sorted. <Yes. laughs> We've sorted Anne from Clacton. Let's go to Grace from Benfleet, who wants to talk potatoes. Is that right, Grace? Yes. What happened? I put my potatoes into um, two different plots last year. Yeah. Lovely, lovely, fine soil. But they were all eaten by wood lice. Mm. Okay, that's not. Okay, what? What's the question, Grace? You want to talk about wood lice? Do you? You think that no. they were eaten by wood lice? My potatoes were eaten by wood lice. No, they, no, weren't. they weren't. No, they weren't. Because wood lice don't eat potatoes. Oh, were well, there wood lice in them? Yes, there may well be they wood were lice slugs. in them. Slugs you had, or wire worm. Wood lice, well, wood lice, no. this is the poor, poor wood lice. We have to stand I up know, for the poor wood we lice. We do. Wood lice have very, very, very weak mouth parts. They cannot chew through potato skins, through leaves, through stems, through apples, all these things that everybody says wood lice have, have eaten. They are what we call secondary feeders. So something comes along. In your Makes case, in your case, in your potatoes, I would say it was probably a slug if it's in a regular hole. Yeah. The slug comes along, chews through the potato, leaves the soft inner portion behind, which the wood lice then goes, "Oh, thank you very much, Mister Slug. I'm now going to come in and I'm going to have a bit of a feed." So they are secondary well, I didn't feeders. Find one slug. What? I didn't find one. You won't. You may not. You may not. You may not. So what? What's the problem? Is that this year or is it? Was that last year? last year and i want to put them in the same plots next year right but, um, well what i suggest I you do is add some slug pellet when you plant them in the ground which is what i do so i when, oh. I, when I make my trench i put uh, i usually actually make my trench put some uh, grass clippings in the bottom then a bit of potato slug. tubers in then slug, pellet. slug pellets and then cover with soil but it's not the wood lice i can assure you it is not the wood oh. lice oh, what? i've been growing potatoes now for about 40 years, but I've never had this problem. It, well, it does turn up. Slugs will turn up wherever you're not expecting oh, them. Oh, as it's I said, it could be the wire worm. If the, could if be the wire worm. Is the it hole... a tiny hole or a big hole? Oh, big. Oh, well, that's slugs. Slugs. that's slugs. Definitely slugs. So, okay, so, um, uh, yeah, so get the slug pellets in there next year and you'll be fine. Pauline from Althorn. Sorry to kept you waiting, Pauline. Talking oh, hedges. Hello, I'm here. I We're talking here. hedges, aren't we? Hedges, hedges and hedges. Yes. You, you talk about it a few weeks ago about these hedges that get a disease well i think i might have this disease in one of mine i've got three sort of 
roundy ones. You know, they've been clipped very nicely. Oh, you're oh, talking about box. You're talking oh, about box. Yes. Box disease. Oh, yes, yep. pardon. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I've had them since they were babies, and I put them in the ground. Yep. Because it was easier than the pots. Yep. But uh, yeah. Um, what would you like to know? Well, this bit has got right beneath them, and it's gone down to wood. Could be the caterpillar, couldn't it? Okay, if could it, be the box yeah. caterpillar, couldn't it? If if box have been eaten, so yes. th- then the likely culprit is, is, a is the box caterpillar. caterpillar. Which, is that the disease you was talking no, about? The other there's way. two things. You've got you've got a box disease and a box caterpillar. You've got two problems there right. that exist with box. You've got box caterpillar, the, the, which will have disappeared again by now, won't probably. it? It's gone. The, the the disease isn't going to eat leaves. The disease looks like it kills patches back, but it doesn't eat leaves. If if the leaves are eaten, it's the box caterpillar. So look right. out for it next year, and. You can you can spray for it, can't you? Mm-hmm. So I you would use already this year when what, I saw it. Well, you you most likely sorted it out, and you'll find it will most likely come out and regrow. Right. So but don't it, cut that uh, bird no, bit back. No. Just leave that. Well, I'd leave it until leave it. And, and and see whether you get signs of regrowth, and then if you get some regrowth and it's too much regrowth and it's ruining the shape of the box, then you can cut it. But I certainly wouldn't cut out dead-looking bits at the moment. No, I mean we look after uh, you know, our garden looked after in High Beach, and it was mutilated by that. We sprayed and sprayed, cleared them roughly in the end, and they were brown through defoliation, mm. all back green. Mm. They look good, you know. So you know, don't don't despair. Pauline with your box hedges. Now I'll go to Richard in Rayleigh. Hello, Richard. Hello, good morning, gentlemen. Um, we've taken out some pyracanthus, yep. wicked stuff, mm-hmm. um, and some ivy. Yes. And we need to kill the roots and the stumps. Now, stuff like Resolver and all that sort of thing isn't touching it. Is there anything um, that is going to do the job once and for all? Um so, Richard, um, when did you do this? Um, about a week ago. Okay. Um, and and you've you've basically cut them down to to more or less ground level. Yes, I've, I've um, hired an electric saw and cut them all down um, as low as I could go. Okay. Level with the ground. And you can't. Why, why can't you dig them out? Well, I've got heart trouble, and um... okay, no, 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 that's why I asked because the, the the obvious way to deal with any stump better out is is <clears throat> is to dig it out at the time of of cutting the plants down. And if it's a tree stump that because you've cut a tree down, don't cut the stump down to ground level. Leave about four foot of growth of the of the of the trunk, mm. and then you can use that to lever the roots out. But this is a shrub. But this is a shrub. Down, so how do we get rid of it? What's okay. the best weed well, killers to... Any, any, any of the ones that are based on glyphosate that are sold as a stump killer. But what you have to realise is that it, it, it kills the stump. But it won't eradicate it. But it, it. doesn't sort of get rid of it magically. It, it, it then will take... Years. I mean, one, I, one pyrocanther I cut down took at least four years for the actual stump to, to just rot away. The stump killer... Yeah, no. Re- really, all I want to do is to stop it regrowing. That's again. fine. That's so what fine. Jeff suggests is, is right. You're using... A, look for a stump killer. Yep. And before you apply it, re-cut the stump because most of them will only work effectively on yeah, fresh on, wood. On fresh growth and if you've right, done it a week it. 
No, 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 no. Not necessary. Not necessary. Just just cut the, a whole sort of inch, half an inch or an inch, all the way through the stump to remove the top right. half inch and then apply the stump killer to that fresh wound that you have made. Okay, and the and the and the um, ivy and uh, the other little um, shrubs that are, we've cut down. You can do yeah, it on do everything, you, anything you want to eradicate that you you've cut down. You treat it in exactly the same way. Right. The thing is, though, that um, you know the, the the pyracanther is unlikely to reshoot. So whether you want to actually kill the stump is you know. Is it? Is there any point? You know, if you could cut it down to ground level, put some soil over it, and it, it's Chances not going to reshoot. The ivy probably will, will. reshoot, and so even using a stump killer, it will probably still reshoot, depending on how big it is. So, if you get any regrowth, treat the regrowth with a glyphosate-based weed killer as it grows. Ken Crowther answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Moving on to Ashington and talking to Marion. Roses, is that right, Marion? Right, yes, please. What would you like I to know? I would like to know, when do I cut, when do I prune my roses? What sort of roses are they, Marion? Um, are they bush roses, hybrid teas, floribundas? Uh, bush. Bush roses. Right, OK. The, the formative pruning is done in late winter, early spring, February, late February, early March. That's when you do your main formative pruning, and that means cutting them back hard. If they're hybrides, you cut them back to about four to six inches from ground level. If they're floribundas, sort of six to eight inches from ground level. But you can, in the autumn, to stop them throwing themselves about and causing wind rot, you can reduce the height of the rows by about a third. Or a half. Third or to a half. half. Third, third, third to a half. To half. But other, right. than that, other than that, you do nothing other than keep deadheading them and enjoying the fresh blooms that will come by you deadheading. OK, my love, thank you. Also, Mombrecia, Crocosema. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, mine's all gone over now, yeah. and it's got all the spiky bits with little seedy bits on. Yeah. When do I cut that down? Well, um, generally, crocosmias are left until they die down naturally and they start to go just, brown. And then you just pull the leaf away, can't you? Yeah, or you can just get a pair of shears and shear them off on. at ground level. But you need they need the leaves on for as long as possible to feed them up for flowering next year. So wait until they start to turn brown and die down naturally, and then you can take them off. Uh, we've had a real mix today. Everything from we beans, always get a right mix. A right mix. Angela from Tolsbury, you've got a weed, is that right? Growing yes. in your garden I've that you don't... I've never seen it before. Right. And I've got quite a lot of it round the garden. It's got a red stem, and the leaves are like spray, you know. Um, they're not... How, how high does it grow? Well, uh, I mean, does it, a I've foot? I've only seen it about a foot high. Does I don't it, know if it grows any higher. Has it got a flower at all? Uh, I don't know. I, I think it might have a pink flower. It's a pink flower. And what's the, what, what's the problem, Angela? Pardon? She what? doesn't like it. You don't like it? Well, it's all Sounds over like the place it's, um, in the way of my plants. OK, well, you can dig it I up. I like it. Well, I think I've been it's pretty. Doing that, but I just wondered what it was. Oh, well, well, from I'm sorry from your description, I can't work it out. If it's got okay. a leaf, if it's got a leaf a bit like a clover, then it, it's it's uh, oxalis adenophila, which is a, no, a problem no, weed. Not no, that. 
I know what that is. Okay. No, this is something new I've never seen before. Has it got a hollow stem? No, they're very thin stems. Thin stems. Yeah, but if yeah, you open thin red stems. Yeah, but if you cracked it, is it hollow? Oh, I don't know. I haven't looked. They spread along the ground and root as they go. Go along the ground and then root as they go. That sounds more like the oxalis that you said, yes. doesn't it? Um, what else could it be? Ready colour. Off the top of my head. What's I... the other red one that's that's invasive? Um, very, very dark rhubarb stem. Very thin. Rhubarb stem? goes across the ground. So we're, we're not talking Japanese knotweed? Well, no, we're asking you, has it got a green leaf, green reddish yes. leaf? Yes, the leaf is green. The leaf is and green. It's not like Would a you? a whole leaf, it's lots of little leaves. You can leave it on the like ground. Like a spray. You can leave it on, if you leave a bit on the ground, it reroots. Difficult. Send us a photo, Send us Angela. a photo, because I don't think we're going to get there it's on not, that not one. Not from the description. <clears throat> not from the description at all. So send us a, uh, send us a picture um, via, the, via email, if you like. That's ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. In the meantime, I'm going to go to Bob in Haverhill. Hello, Bob. Talking oh, vines. Gentlemen. Vines, aren't we? <clears throat> yeah, grapevine. Yeah, it's a couple of years old. It's the first time it's uh, had grapes on this year. It's only a couple of bunches, but... Uh, it's in a pot outside, mm -hmm. and um, it was growing quite vigorously. The top's okay, but all the leaves down the bottom end are starting to go brown and drop off. I wonder if it's diseased, or does it do it this time of year? Have you noticed any whitey growth uh, no, on the no, on the leaves no, or on the grapes? No, no, the grapes look quite healthy. They're green. Um, uh, and the leaves, no, nothing white on the backs of them at all or on the fronts? Sort no, of white powder? No, no, it just looks like uh, the autumn leaves, how they start going brown okay. and crispy. Well, uh, the old leaves uh, of grapes will do that as we come into the sort of back half of, of the summer, which obviously we are in. But yep. if there's a lot of it, it, it basically means that you're not watering and feeding enough. Um, it's quite natural for them to happen. Uh, a bit like any plants, you know, if you, if, you, if you don't water and feed enough, you'll get more leaf discoloration and leaf drop. Um, so it might just need might just need a bit more watering and feeding. I'd try that and see how we go. Mary from Hadley, uh, you've got a peach tree that you bought from the telly. Is that right? That's right, yeah. Don't tell us who from, but you bought it off the telly. And what's happened to it? Tell us. Well, um, I bought it. This is the second year now. Right. The first year, it was full of bloom. It was yeah. absolutely beautiful. The leaves were lovely and everything. Well, then at the end of the... In the middle of the season... They started to go like, um, a, like a blister. Red, yep. red and puckered. Yep. Red and, yep, lovely. And uh, I suppose the, the fruit is supposed to be a self-pollinator. Yep. And um, it, um, it was beautiful. But as I say, the leaves now, I've got no fruit. I've not had no fruit for a couple of years now. Um, the uh, leaves in the spring beginning of the spring they started to go like like a blister yeah you've got and peach leaf you've got peach leaf curl right now what can we do for that jeff nothing nothing at all at the moment nope, no there is we've got nothing to spray it with at all to help it it won't necessarily affect the blossom being fertilised, though, will it, Jeff? No, but if it, if obviously, it'll if, deteriorate the state of the plant. Yeah, the, the plant will uh, weaken. Mary, is it growing in a container or is yes, it? Yes, yeah, it, it is a patio. 
patio peach tree. All right. Um, what you need to do um, is come the autumn, when all the leaves drop, you have to clear, carefully clear all the leaves away and dispose of it, and then make a plastic tent for it. So that's not to actually cover the whole tree. What you do is, to, uh, if you can, move it against a wall, and then right. and then make this plastic tent by putting a batten of wood on the wall above the tree and nail some polythene to it and then pull that away from the wall for about two foot. So you've got this slanting canopy. Right. Grow the tree under there and keep that under there until May. And basically what that will do is it will stop the water getting on the compost and it's water splashing on the compost that splashes the disease spores back onto the tree that causes the infection. So that will hopefully stop the infection. As well as clearing all the leaves away, I would scrape the top two inches of the compost away and replace it with fresh to try and get rid of as much of the disease spores as possible because there's nothing else you can do these days. And we're going to go now to Phil in Colchester talking grapevines again. Is that right, Phil? Yes, it is. Um, I found you about April because um, I took a load of cuttings and, yep. and you said like Graham was an upright grape. Oh. I've got about 10 over my allotment. Uh-huh. But they're grown now and they're starting to lay along. I didn't know whether to put a wire along and then fix them to that like you would and then grow them that way. Is that right? Or could you well, that's, uh, that, there's various ways of growing grapevines. That is one, isn't it? And to, they need support. So you will have to use a system of horizontal wires. Yeah. Uh, usually it's a good idea to have at least four horizontal wires. You want one about nine inches from the ground, one about two foot, one about four foot, and one about six foot. And then you train... I mean, I, I, there's a lot more to it, and I haven't got time to describe it. But, but basically, what you, basically what you do in the winter is you, you, you prune the main stem. That causes the lateral buds to shoot. That produces the side shoots. You then train those horizontally along the wires. You then allow the main stem to grow up a bit further. You top that out, and that will produce you more laterals. And as I say, it's quite complicated, but that's yep. the best way to grow them. If you've got internet access, find out about Guyoi, Gui, sorry, G-U-Y-O-T, pruning methods, uh, or, or spur and lateral training methods for grapes. And come back to us in the autumn. We'll help you along if we can as well. Let's go to Margaret from Rayleigh. Margaret, how can we help you? Oh, hello. Yes, I wonder if you can. I'm right in the middle of cutting down um, an eight-foot bamboo. Right. And um, I've, <laughs> I've cut down to... I don't know, I suppose it's so many inches of the actual um, base. And I'm, I'm having this feeling that it's going to take a long time before... Um, when, when, when you're talking about the man from who, was, um, who had the ivy, I'm thinking that the problem is we want to clear the whole area and, and put a, another base down. But are we going to have a lot of uh, time to, for it to, um, to clear? OK, but with bamboo, your best way to clear bamboo is dig it out. Yeah, we've dug out. I've dug out so much. I've stripped a lot of the leaves, and but we've got. Paint. No, I mean actually dig the roots out. Dig the roots. Just take the, the whole root. Roots, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's going to be a nightmare, is it? <laughs> well, no, that's that's the easy, that's the easiest and quickest way, and you'll. But if it reemerges, you can you can use glyphosate on it, but you've got to get the root out first. Yeah, absolutely, you? the quickest and easiest way of getting rid of any plant is to is, dig, is dig it out. Dig out the roots. Dig out, yeah, completely. I, yep. I, know, yep. I know what you're saying. It's just so. Tough, as we've got they are. They are tough. You they need, are tough. You need a very sharp spade, and you might even need a mattock or a pickaxe, and some and, and get have a party. Have a party. Invite lots of people around. Give them lots of food and booze, and uh, they then uh, reward you by digging out your bamboo. 
Uh, let's go to Jim in Leon C. <coughs> raspberries, is that right? Yeah, that's it, uh, Ken. Um, I've got uh, also raspberries, and I've just found recently uh, in some of the leaves there's uh, quite a number of uh, tiny holes drilled all the way through. So in the leaves? In the leaf, yeah. Yeah, OK, that'll be caterpillar damage, Jim. Okay. The likelihood is uh, is that the caterpillars will be a moth caterpillar. The likelihood is they the, the caterpillars have already dropped to the ground and are pupating. Um, so there's not an awful lot you can do because the damage is done. But if the damage is done and the caterpillar's gone, not an awful lot to worry about really because it's not going to get any worse. Oh, thank you. How about prevention for next uh, next season? Uh, well, keep an eye on your plants oh. on a regular basis, and as soon as you start to see any damage, or check the plants regularly and look for caterpillars, and then spray them with an insecticide if you don't mind using insecticides, but obviously one that is approved for use on edible crops. And there's less and less. But there's about four. Just four. Yeah. Right. I'd like to now just clear the uh, text messages that we've got. I like to do this at the end of the programme. My hydrangea is about 20 years old in large tubs, still flowering beautifully, but how, now very woody. Would it harm it when it finishes flowering to cut it right down to promote new growth? And that's Joan in Harlow. Yes, it will harm it because it's the wrong time to do it. If you're going to prune it, the time to do it is in <laughs> April. However, it will mean if you, you do all the stems, you won't have any flowers that year. So what I normally do is cut half out down What I to do the is I cut a third ant. Well, there we go. Half or third. That's what we'll go for so it. So it means that if you do a third, you get two thirds of the flowers each year, but it means that you don't get one year with no flowers. We have laurels all around us. They are called chandelier. Chandelier. Laurel chandelier. Which one's that, do you think? Never they're talking it. about. Never heard of it. No, neither I. But I'm sure there's a smell that comes from it. It smells awful. Is it the plants or something else? Actually, laurels, the, the bloom is not pleasant. And it? and it will produce cyanide. It does. So it could be that. Laurels don't it? smell nice. No, they're not a nice plant, especially when you cut them. Also, uh, right, that was Lee. Uh, another one. This is my first year using granules in summer pots. I couldn't resist giving them a liquid feed the other day, just in case. Have I done much harm? And that's Rob. No. I imagine he means he's losing a, one of the slow-release type. Controlled, controlled release. Controlled release. Fertiliser. And that's what you use, because you're lazy. Yeah, <laughs> I am lazy, and that's what I use, because I only want to feed my plants once a year rather than once a week. Uh, but by the end of the summer, they, the, the power of the controlled release fertiliser does tend to diminish. So as long as you don't you know, overdo it, um, giving them a liquid feeds now is a very good idea. Beans, beans, I see no beans, only has beans. And, and what am I doing wrong? 30 seeds, half of them grew, loads of flowers, hardly any set. Got seven so far and a few coming. Uh, you've watered twice a day, liquid fertiliser weekly. Um, in a long tub with miracle Grow compost. Loads last year in the same way, Mark. Uh, OK, if your beans are flowering and not uh, producing beans, then they are not being pollinated properly, which means that either there are not any pollinating insects around or the atmosphere around the flowers is too dry. So basically mist them daily, every day. Get a little hand mister and do it every day. I generally tend to do it very early morning is the best time. Michael from Gosfield reckons the weed is fumitory? Mm. No, no, no. No. Someone else reckons it could be a herb. So anyway, uh, hi boys, does mistletoe need a pollinator to produce berries? Tim in Chelmsford. Uh, it's better to grow more than one plant if you really want to do it properly. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther.
Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the gardening advice, tips and events, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go. Just visit the BBC Essex website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour, every Saturday from 11. BBC Essex.